Oh, thank you to, to every man that has joined us tonight. Thank you for your time. I want to acknowledge uh, Apostle Ayo for the invitation. Thank you so much, sir. It means a lot to me. And I am privileged to come before the men of God tonight uh, to Apostle Manny. It's always good to see you, sister. And to the right Reverend Tim. Um, I don't know if it's still online, but um, I think I saw Tim earlier on. Greetings to you, Tim. And um, I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, Apostle Louis was phenomenal tonight. And it was great. What an awesome foundation that he laid. But I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to highlight something to you that I believe is pertinent in this hour. And the reason why I say it's pertinent in this hour and we're going to prophesy, we're going to revelate, we're going to build up the whole man, all right? So just bear with me. I'm going to lay a quick foundation. I've got four scriptures I'm going to give you. I'm going to be in the text. But my presentation to you today, I want to identify that before foundations are laid, Altars are established. That's good. I'll say it again. Before foundations are laid, altars are established. What do you mean, Phil? You go to the book of Revelation, the button in chapter 13, the Bible begins to highlight to us that Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So before we can establish our foundation of our family, before we can establish the foundation of my assignment, before I can establish the foundation of my vocation, I must understand that there's a call to an altar. That's good. Why mm. am I why am I uh, talking like this? I'm talking like this because in order for us to understand this reset in order for us to understand what is happening in the earth today and where God is taking us as the church, who is the church, you and me, we are the ecclesia, we must understand that God is taking us somewhere. But for God to take us somewhere and to move in the accuracy of God, we must understand the history of God. So for us to understand the history of the modern church, we must go back to over 500 years ago where we have one of the first reformations now that begins to bring distinguish, that begins to distinguish the church and that begins to highlight the ills that were prevalent in uh, the church that reigned at the time. We see the reformer in the form of Martin Luther. Martin Luther rises up and begins to challenge the ways uh, 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 that were prevalent in the day. He begins to write 93 theses. He begins to stick it on the Gothenburg uh, door. And out of those 95 or 93 theses, you begin to highlight, we begin to understand that there were three dominant doctrines that emerged out of it. And last week, I began to talk about this briefly. And uh, uh, for where we are going, I have to reference this for where God is taking the church to. You must understand that the three primary doctrines that shaped the modern church, that shaped the church we live in today, was declared, was received, emerged over 500 years ago, that changed the trajectory of the church. It was the doctrine of the just shall live by faith. It was the doctrine of salvation by Christ alone. And thirdly, it was uh, uh, the priesthood 
of all believers. What we have seen over the number of years has been two out of the three doctrines that has literally uh, 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 engulfed the church and has literally shaped the ideology, the philosophy of the church. And what we are about to see now is this doctrine that we've, we've touched on it here and we've touched on it there and there hasn't been an emphasis. And I began to smile in my heart when I began to hear what this man Louis was talking about, that, uh, uh, that kings have to be carried. And uh, when you look at the offices that trunks or, or progress from the Old Testament into the New Testament, it was prophet, it was king, and it was priest. Three offices that translated and progressed from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and two out of the three were given to the believers. The other one, the prophet, was given to some. We know that. But for the benefit of where we are going today, we see uh, 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 the priesthood of all believers is now about to take precedence in the earth. It's now beginning to take form in the earth. God is hovering on this. Why? Because when we look at this reset in the earth, we begin to see that every man is driven back to his home. Every man has to be locked away. Every man has to take care of his family. Every man has to be in the confinement of his home. Now, for the introduction of my presentation, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, check what the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this. The Bible says, therefore, holy brethren, the scripture or the writer to the Hebrews is not, is not talking to people who are outside of uh, uh, the household of faith. The scripture is directed to the house, the household of faith. Check what it says. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. In other words, when you when you look at the etymology of the word consider, the, the, the root word of the word consider, it means to make room. When you make room, it means to make room in your philosophy. It means to make room in your understanding. It means to make room in every area that grips your life. Yet when we consider this man, Jesus, we see him as the firstborn among the brethren. In other words, he is our blueprint. In other words, he is our epitome. In other words, he is the affection of my life. In other words, he's the center of everything I do. This man who is both apostle and high priest who goes before us making intercession on our behalf, he is the one that we need to make uh, room or make space in our understanding, in our doctrinal views, in our philosophies, in our stature, in our expression, that he is both apostle and he is high priest. What was the purpose of the high priest? The purpose of the high priest was to administrate the altar. Somebody say, administrate the altar. Mm -hmm. Mr. We are, we are going somewhere with this. Now, for us to fully understand what an altar is, you must go with me now to Hebrews chapter 13, and I will read from verse 15. Look what the scripture says there. The scripture says, Therefore, by him, by him, by him, let us continually offer this sacrifice of praise to God that is yeah. the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hmm. 
Now so, I want to I want to yes, highlight Lord. something to you in 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 the context of the semantic of the scripture, or in other words, the language of the scripture that's deployed there. If the scripture was saying, let us offer a sacrifice, it would mean that we could offer anything. Are oh, you not hearing me? Yeah. Because because the word a means it's not specific. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. The scripture there or, or, or the word deployed there or the semantic deployed there defines or highlights to me that the word the is specific. Let us offer this sacrifice of praise to God, huh. which is the fruit of our lips. Yeah. How do you pray? <laughs> Come on, somebody. You use your lips. Yes. You use your lips. Yes. So your life. Okay, let me not get ahead of myself. For us to understand the word sacrifice now, we have to go to the first mention of the word altar. The first mention of the word altar is found in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. The Bible yeah. says, then Noah, <laughs> let's go there. It says, then Noah built an altar to the yeah. Lord and yeah. took every clean animal and some every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes, in the book of Revelation, the scripture is teaching us that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth yeah. and when man sinned the bible says god clothed them you see yeah. uh, 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 uh. louis began to talk about how our nakedness brings shame to us and how shame will keep you out from bringing identity to the very thing that you are called for but for identity to come to what you are doing it is found at the place called an altar what is an altar i'm glad you asked i'm glad you asked let's talk about what an altar is you it's see awesome. an altar number one is an access point number one an altar is an access point <laughs> number two an altar is a place of divine exchange and divine encounter i'll repeat that again number one an altar is an access point number two an altar is a place of divine exchange and conversation and divine encounter. Number three, an altar is a place of communion and conversation with God. <laughs> Altars are a place of surrender and sacrifice to God. Altar is a place of forgiveness and new beginnings. Okay. Altars by futures. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'll say it again. Altars by or another translation or or, 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 or or another another way of saying it alters secure futures okay. i'll say it again alters secure futures why do i say that you see because here we see let me ask you a question who was the son to adam and eve or who were the sons to adam and eve Abel and Cain. Cain and Abel. Yeah. Here we have an account in Genesis chapter 4. It says from verse 2, uh, uh, from verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Where do we think? One and two. Okay. One, one, okay. Uh, number one. 
of the altar. Altars are access points. Number two, altars are a place of divine exchange and divine encounter. So going back to the point I was making in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, where do we think Cain put that sacrifice? Because remember, the first mention of the word altar in the text is only later found in Genesis chapter 8. So when we look at when we look at uh, 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 how many generations it is from uh, uh, from from Adam to Noah, it's ten generations. So how is it that somewhere along the line we don't hear any account of altars? Only when we come to Noah, the question, and most of you know this. Well, the point in that, that I will make, because most of you know this, is when God covered Adam and Eve, where did he put those animals? Because the scripture says in the book of Proverbs, train up a child <laughs> in the way it should go, and they will never depart from it when they're older. So where did Adam teach Cain and Abel how to offer, how to sacrifice, and where to put it? They had to put it on an altar. Why? Because an altar is also a place where divinity meets humanity. <laughs> I'll say it again. An altar is also a place where divinity meets humanity. You go to Genesis 28, and last week I began to deal with this briefly. In Genesis chapter 28, we see Jacob encounter a living God at an altar. Yeah. The heavens open up. In other words, divinity meets humanity. And we began to declare even over this year that it's the year of open heavens. Whenever the heavens open, it's always for redefinition. In other words, when an altar meets with divinity, when humanity meets with divinity, there's always redefinition. So, so, why do you persecute my church? Your name is not Simon. Your name is now Peter. We know the name change stories in the scriptures. And that's for you, uh, 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 Reverend Tim. The name change. I see you. <laughs> but you must, under, you must understand this. That altars are so powerful. Why do I say altars are so powerful? Altars are so powerful because it always demands a sacrifice. My God. Yet Christ, now I'm not talking about a physical altar. No, guys. No. Because I know sometimes people will think that I'm, I'm, I'm referring to a, a, a physical altar. An altar in our sense, I'm giving you an historical account. An altar in our sense is your meeting place with God. It's your place where you commune with God. It's the place where you suck with God. It's the place where you have fellowship with God. It's the place where God yes. meets and speaks to you. That is the altar. Why do I say that? Every altar is housed. Every altar is housed. That's why the scripture says in the New Testament that your body is a living sacrifice. Come on. Your body is sacrifice. the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, yes. And yes. he says, and then the Apostle Paul says it like this that we ought to offer our body as mm. a living sacrifice. So now your body is a temple 
enter sacrifice. Okay. Yet every altar is made of stones. Oh my God. Take uncut stones. This is why, uh, 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 <laughs> this is why Babylon wants to condition everybody to break. Because when you look at when you look at Nimrod, Nimrod begins to make a statement. Nowhere in the scriptures before the statement is made do you see the word bricks. Nimrod begins to make a statement to the people with him. He says, "Come, let us make bricks. Bricks is a type of church that has been conditioned and to be uniformed." alike to be the same yet in one peter the bible says you are living stones yes you are living stones so now definition has come to the stones of god you are a living stone in other words the stones no two stones in the earth are alike so that's why the scripture says when you are building an altar take uncut stones Take and so now you are living stones. Your body is a stone, my God. Your body is a temple, my God. Your body mm -hmm. is a living sacrifice. So now you become the sacrifice and you become the altar. Why? Because Christ now has made a new and living way for you to approach the throne of grace. So your sacrifice now becomes acceptable. Why? Because you are clean through Christ. Because the purpose of the altar was to put clean animals on the altar Christ's righteousness makes you righteous Christ uh, Christ's redemption makes you redeemed Christ's work on Calvary cleanses you from all unrighteousness so this is why you can have access to the heavenlies this is why you can cry out as a man for your family as a leader to your tribe as a leader to your community as a leader to your assignment as a leader to the nations that god has called you you can have an altar wherever you go you can have an encounter wherever you go how do i know this let me let me blow your mind let me blow your mind with something some research i've done <laughs> you see <laughs> How many of you are familiar with a woman by the name of Alice Bailey? Yeah. For those who are prayer warriors, I know you, you, you will be familiar with this woman, Alice Bailey. Let me, let me give you some research as to how she influenced the world, the global, the, the global world. world. She influenced the entire population of the world. She influenced it. She came up with a 10. I don't know if you guys know what her 10 point plan is. Alice Bailey's 10 point plan is this she wanted to create a new world order for the destruction of Christianity. This 10 point plan was released in the 70s. The purpose behind her 10 point plan, and I'm going to show you how powerful an altar is. And also always gets occupied by divinity or a deity, sorry. Yeah. The purpose of Alice Bailey speaking to the World Health Organization was this to change Christian tradition and redeem the nation out of Christian tradition. How did she do it? Number one. Number one, take God and prayer out of the education system. Mm. 
Okay. Hmm. Take God out and take prayer out of the education system. How did she do it? She introduced a curriculum to ensure children to ensure children are free from Christian tradition. How did she do that? She introduced transcendental meditation in schools, which alters the state of the consciousness of children to meet with spirit guides and demons. This was initiated, let's go back to the 70s. This was initiated then. The second plan that she had or the second point that she received. In fact, when you go and research Alice Bailey and her 10 point plan, you understand that she would say she met with a extraterrestrial being. Mm -hmm. She met with an extraterrestrial being. In other words, she met with a, a, a deity in accordance to her writings. She met with a deity and this deity gave her this 10 point plan. And we know it's a demon. So the second, the second point or the second plan that she had was reduce parental authority over children. So in other words, when you look at the 1997-98 child rights legislation under the UNICEF charter, a child has the right to tell his parents, I don't want to listen to you. So they promoted excessive child rights, and we've seen it across the globe. Yeah. The promotion of child rights. Hmm. Number two, she introduced the abolishment of corporal punishment. Yet the scripture says in Proverbs 23, 13 to 40, the Bible says, do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Yet this woman now comes and violates the very essence of scripture by introducing that. The third point that she, that she raised was destroy the traditional Christian family structure. How did she do it? She done it by promoting a homosexual agenda, promoting a feminist agenda, promoting sexual immorality. And how she done it was by the use of advertising and media. Number four, she said, if, sex is, if we make sex free, then let's make abortion legal and let's make it easy. We know, like I taught, that when you sacrifice anything, blood is always shed. And when blood is shed, an altar is established. That's why the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf constantly. My God, my God, come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus has made atonement for us continuously and the scripture says we are now priests unto god so because we are now priests unto god and the blood of jesus speaks we now have access to deity we now have access to divinity what this woman done was now go to the dark side and access realms and access information that was now for the detriment of the human race let me blow your mind. Let me blow your mind with something. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a man by the name of Cecil John Rhodes. 
Cecil John Rhodes is a British Englishman that went to South Africa and to Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe was named after him, Cecil John Rhodes. Zimbabwe was named uh, uh, Rhodesia after the man who was known as Cecil John Rhodes. They said this man was a walking uh, satellite. In a time where there was no satellite coverage, this man could access diamonds, this man could access gold, this man could ac access things that were hidden under the ground in the soil of Africa and cause a demonic plan of the enemy to, to seize and capture a land. Why? Because they say this man used to make sacrifice. He had a demonic altar going. Study the life of Cecil John Rhodes and you'll find his links to the Masonic uh, 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 people and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that. But I want you to understand the importance of an altar and why God is bringing altars back to the homes so that the homes now can literally begin to buy the futures of their community. Remember I said, before foundations are laid, altars are established. Before we can build anything, my God, before we can pull down anything, before we can go and plunder anything, there must be an altar erected. So what am I saying? An altar has the ability to purify our motives. An altar has the ability now to open up the heavens. The altar yeah. has the ability to cause heaven to respond to our yeah. time. An altar gives you a voice into the heavens where oh. now you will say like Elijah, it won't rain until I say it rains. I am prophesying to these men that out of you will rise a sound, a frequency that will begin to come from an altar because oh. you have an altar in your home. You are a walking and a living and a mobile altar that when you speak, that's why Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and are life. Why is it spirit and life? Because there's a connection into the heavenlies. There's a oneness in God. Why? Because I understand that I can meet with God daily, every day, every hour. It doesn't have to be long. I love what Smith Wigglesworth says. I don't have to pray long, but I don't go long without praying. I'll say it again. Mm. Smith Wigglesworth says, I don't have to pray long, but I don't go long without prayer. So in those moments, God, I don't know what to do in this moment. I understand that I have a voice into the heavens and I have a voice to your heart. God, help me because your scripture, your logo says to me that I have all sufficiency through your Holy Ghost. And because you've given me the Holy Ghost, the paracletos, the one that comes alongside me to help me, to aid me. Now, God, I thank you because I've established a meeting point. Adam, 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 where are you, Adam? I'm supposed to meet you at this place. But where are you? You vacated your first your first place. Where are you, Adam? So the cry of God and the heart of God was to restore man back to that first estate. What is that first estate? The altar. Uh-oh. Uh oh, because an altar is going to define a language to you that's going to cause you to have an advantage even in the earth. Okay, let's move on. You see, because you must understand that the demonic world understands that in order for them to occupy seats in government, in order for them to occupy neighborhoods, in order for them to occupy 
of villages and communities and, and financial institutions, there has to be the shedding of blood because the scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So in other words, where there's a, where there's a shedding of blood, an altar or a meeting point place takes place at that particular moment. You must understand that there is innocent blood being shed uh, uh, across the globe globally. And uh, I don't believe for one moment that this is the plan of God for innocent blood to to, or innocent lives to be lost. What I will say that the mercy of God we are going to see in this moment, because the scripture says the mercy of God triumphs over every impending judgment. So whatever judgment has come from the enemy, we know that uh, uh, God's mercy is uh, uh, extended to humanity. And because his mercy is extended to humanity, we as the saints now can... Uh, as prophetic people, the church is built on the foundation of the prophet and the apostle. What was the purpose of the prophet? To go into cities and to pull down every high thing, my God. To pull down every demonic altar. How did the prophet know what to pull down? The prophet knew what to pull down based on smell, based on what came from the altar. Check this out. Look at this. The scripture says, make divorce. I'm not the scripture, sorry. Uh, uh, Alice Bailey, number five, she said, make divorce easy and legal. Hmm. Free people from the concept of covenant. That was one of her plans. Free people from the concept of covenant. And we've seen this thing influence everything. So this is why we must understand altars are critically important. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, it, it says, um, number six, make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle mm -hmm. and this was this was this was initiated through an altar because uh, uh, any any deity can doesn't have jurisdiction in this earth without it coming via a mechanism via an altar yeah huh? number seven this 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 for me was was an eye opener guys honestly this this for me shook me it shook the living tail out of me number seven she said this debase art and make it run mad debase art and make it run mad how did she do it she began to promote new forms of art <laughs> which were corrupt and defile the imagination of people because wow. art is the language of the spirit. <laughs> I'll say it again. Art is the language of the spirit, which is inside of you. And this, this language comes out in the form of painting, music, drama, etc. Let's 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 be real. Let's look at the quality of music over the last five years how it's changed but it didn't start five years ago it started at an altar remember i said before foundations are laid altars are established so before this woman and before we are actually seeing the foundation of this temple and plan it came via an altar <laughs> the 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 uh, uh the pain of africa the struggle of africa yeah 
what we are seeing in Africa, the violation of its wealth in Africa was established by a demonic altar before those people even got into Africa. Yeah. Uh, you're not here. I can go on about that for days. But check this. <laughs> says, use media to promote and change the mindset of the people. Yeah. Number nine, create an interfaith movement. Oh my God. <laughs> so in other words, what, what what we have seen over the last couple of years has been a promotion of other faiths and they are saying other faiths are equal to Christianity. No, it's not equal. And they, they, their, their plan was to break the idea of salvation through one man only. And lastly, her plan, number 10, was to get government to make all these laws and get the church to endorse these laws. Nice. This is why discernment, yeah. I'll say it again, this is why discernment is needed in this hour. This is why the prophets are needed in this hour because the prophets have the ability now, the technology of smell. What is the technology of smell? The technology of smell is the ability to discern. The ability to discern. We need people who are sober. Mm. Mm. Sobriety is needed in this hour. Sobriety where we can measure things. Not everything that's coming in warrants a response. Why? Because we know the mind of God. Because we have access to an altar. Now we're going to pray, guys. And we're not going to pray long. But we're going to connect our heart because I've learned something. We can pray the King James Version until we blew in the face and never touch the heart of God. Yet we can pray a heartfelt prayer two, three minutes from the depths of our heart and touch the heart of God and shift action, an impending judgment over a nation. We can shift it. But you must understand this, that we have an altar. We are that altar. Because we've been made righteous in Christ. Because we've been cleansed. Remember he says, I give you new garments. Garments whiter than snow. Every altar had to be occupied by a clean animal. A clean bird, a clean goat, a clean lamb. Yet he was the lamb that was slain on our behalf. He was the lamb that, he, we know it. But I want to I wanna, I wanna end off with this. And then we're going to prophesy and flow and, and, and release the word of the Lord. I want to end off with this. I'm going to end off with this. The scripture says in Psalms 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The reality is not everything that has breath praises the Lord. Not everything. So what is the scripture referring to there? The scripture is referring to you and I. What do I mean you and I? You got to go back to Genesis 2 and God breathed into man. God breathed. What did God breathe into man? The answer to what God breathed into man is found in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. God breathed into man the breath of life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Hmm. <laughs> so what God breathed into man was his blood. 
this is why the blood speaks. So in other words, let everything, let everything that has the blood of Christ, praise the Lord. If you don't have the blood of Christ in your veins, it's very difficult for you to pray. Uh-oh. Because the blood speaks. And we see the picture from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. The blood speaking. Put blood. Put blood. This is why the enemy is always hungry for blood. Yet this blood speaks on our behalf. Why? Because the blood is in our veins. My God. My God. My God. The blood is all over me. The blood. Mm, the blood is surrounding me. The blood is on me. The blood is for me. The blood speaks. This is why Abel was considered a prophet. <laughs> because his blood, his, blood, his blood spoke. And because the blood in us is Christ's blood, and him in me, and I in him, and the oneness of God takes precedence at that place. When I open my mouth, I speak as if God is speaking in the earth. Why? Because I've been made in his image and in his likeness. Who is man that you are mindful of him, that you crown him with glory and with honor? Aha! I've never seen a king without a crown. I've never seen a king without honor. So we must understand that God has crowned you today. God is crowning men in this season. God is crowning the body of Christ in this season. Yet when we study the root word of Corona, it means crown. The crown that was given to the church in the season, the enemy has tried to violate and corrupt that crown. But I say and I prophesy to you today that there's a shifting of crowns. My God, there's a shifting of crowns. There's a shifting of crowns, beloved. Why? Because the bloody, the bloody cross of Christ and the thorns that was a that was a crown for 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 him represented his authority represented his kingship represented his priesthood my god remember i said that there were three things that progressed from the old testament into the new testament there was the prophet the king and the priest yet you and i are given the responsibility of both king and priest my god we have the ability now to legislate because he says to the church i give you power god there are six dimensions and six levels of power i feel like preaching this thing there are yeah. six levels of power that most of us are only familiar with one dimension of power and that power is dunamis and there's nothing out there's nothing wrong with dunamis but we must understand that dunamis is for explosion <laughs> because the bible says now that uh, we are adding vessels full of treasure the purpose of a dynamite now was for explosion and for extraction. That's why our meetings have to be explosive. So the treasure that God has put in you, you must understand that when the explosion takes place, they emerge up out of you. That's one dimension of power. The second dimension of power is the word exousia. The word exousia means authoritative power. The word authoritative yes. power is given to the church. Uh, the Bible yes. says uh, in Isaiah, in, uh, in, uh, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2 that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be the highest mountain in the yes. earth. 
Yet yeah. when you look at the makeup of a mountain, a makeup of a mountain is continuous rocks, rocks and stones, not bricks, rocks and stones. And when you converge all the rocks and the stones in the earth, you are living stones. When you put that living stones together, you get a mountain. So what we are going to see in the earth today is the mountain of the house of the Lord be the highest place huh? where yes. all nations will flow to again. You must understand he says i give you the keys to the kingdom whatsoever yes. you bind on earth is bound yes. in heaven whatsoever yes. things you commit in the earth is in heaven so in other words in your mouth is a key you can lock things up and you can open things up the reality is we don't understand that oh oh we must place things oh 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 I'll say it again. We must place rank and we must use rank. Richard. <laughs> rank is not for the rank is not for the house of God. <laughs> I'll say it again. Rank is not for the house of God. Rank is for the earth realm. Because the house of God now, when you go to Second Chronicles, when you go to Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says, the priest then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves and had no regard for their divisions. What is that telling me? My title means nothing in the presence of Yeshua. My Office means nothing in the presence of Yeshua. My title and my accolades and my stripes and my scars mean nothing in the presence of God. I've got to come to a place where my humility is seen before the heart of God, where my life is poured out like a drink offering, like the alabaster box. I break open the very thing that he's given me. Rank has nothing to do in the house of God. Why do I say that? You must understand that when you look at the two seraphims above the Ark of the Covenant, the angels are looking eyeball to eyeball. And between the eyeballs, the glory of God resided, the glory of God lived. So in other words, now, we must understand that my opinion and my mindset means nothing in the glory of God. My opinion is not primarily in the glory. My opinion, my viewpoint, my doctrinal beliefs is not not primarily in the glory. That means I've got to put it aside. Put it down. Imaginations, put it down. Imaginations, come on, on, somebody, put it down. Saying otherwise, in the season, there's a call, right? There's a call not for your accolades, not for your semantics, not for so much uh, your accuracy. It's for you to come into alignment and unity. Put put aside what you held previously, so that the glory of God can manifest for the benefit of the people. You see, you must understand, I'll say it again, rank is not for the house of God. Rank is in the earth realm. It's for the realm of the earth. I've given you dominion over the works of my hands, not over the people of God. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. The scripture says, in fact, you guys are pulling things out of me. Have you ever wondered why the scripture says, you have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask amiss. Let me put it to you like this. Things that go vertically up 
you ask for. <laughs> Call the Psalms 2 and 8. The Bible says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. So in the times of God, you don't command. You ask. You ask. So I'm asking, oh God, in the name of Jesus, on behalf of Ayo, God do something incredible in his life. I'm not commanding Ayo to come into alignment with the figment of my imagination. No, 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 no. You see the script today saying you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask a mess. What is this mess? Anything that is horizontal now, you command. So in other words, money, you don't ask for money. You command money. Anything that God created in the earth, you command anything that God formed. You don't you don't command, you ask. What did God form? God formed man. Huh? Because you are made in the image of God. So when I am commanding Ayo, I'm commanding God. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Are you with me? So in other words, now, when we get back to the altar, I need to land this plane. When we get back to the altar now, at the altar now, we are asking God that you do something incredible for the sons and the daughters of Yeshua Amashiach, the resurrection and life. God, we ask that you restore life back to every dead situation in the homes of families that have lost loved ones. God, we ask that you show your mercy to those who are lost loved ones and for those who have loved ones in the hospital. This is how we pray. Not God, I command, and I command this, and I command that. No, you must understand what to command and what to ask for. So because God is, because you've got God's attention at your altar, your altar looks different to my altar. My altar looks different to this one, uh, uh, to Ayo's altar. So we must understand that the altar is not necessarily a physical place, more than it is a meeting place with God. For some, it might be a shower. For some, it might be a bath. For some, it might be a lounge. Wherever you feel comfortable, where you can hear God clearly and you can connect God clearly, that is your altar. That's where you meet with God. Now, I'm not saying we can't speak to you in the car. I'm not saying we can't speak to you when you're in the bus or on the train. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying wherever God speaks to you, that becomes the, the meeting place and the meeting point. 